0: Livestream is your premier place to watch live events on the web, mobile devices, and connected TVs. See new events daily or broadcast your own at Livestream.com. Livestream. Be there. Broadcasting live from the Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's TalkTales with Chris Phillips. Coming up on today's show, he's rich, he's famous, he's Robin Leach. And now a man whose pillowcases are made from crown royal velvet bags, Mr. Chris Phillips!
1: Well, once again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the greatest city in the world, otherwise known as the entertainment capital of the world. You are watching Talk Tales here on the Vegas Video Network. And I am your host, Chris Phillips, and I have to apologize right off the bat for being absent last week. And uh, I'll tell you, Scott, this is kind of a first for me. We have now done about, I would say, 18, 19 episodes. And in tribute to my first guest, I am, I think, for the first time in all of these shows, sober, and not hungover, because I wanted to make sure that uh, the two of us were able to get tossed together, and uh, folks, I can't even tell you how excited I am to have with us uh, not only a dear friend of mine, but just the mere mention of his name, his face, and certainly the sound of his voice conjures up images of the rich, the famous, and, of course, the celebrity lifestyle that his his entire brand has been associated with now for decades. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, I am talking about the one and only Robin Leach, who is with me today. And uh, I have to say, I've not only been a fan of this man for, for many, many years, as so many of us have, but uh, even more importantly, uh, since moving here five years ago, I can honestly say he is one of the kindest... Uh, individuals that I have met since living here. And we would love to have them join us, if you don't mind. Robin, come on over here, and I, I, I couldn't be more proud to have you as a
2: guest. This is I know- This is the first show I've ever done where you can actually get drunk. <laughs> it's uh, on a bona fide basis. Thank you for all those kind things.
1: Well, Robin, let me tell you something. Uh, when we came to Las Vegas uh, five years ago from Arizona, you were the first person who took a uh, minute of their time to interview us, and to take interest in what we were doing. And from that time, we have become friends. And since then, I have been trying and begging you to come on this program. And you have somehow found a few minutes in your busy schedule well, to take pity weekend, and charity on our weekend, small little show. <laughs> last weekend,
2: you were away. Last, the previous weekend, I was in uh, Montreal. The weekend before that, I was in, in the Bahamas. So,
1: Well, this is truly a, a thrill for me because as, as I and so many people have looked to you uh, to base their opinions on uh, things going on, of course, here in Las Vegas, which you have now called yourself a resident over the last 10 years. You've had something of a love affair with the city of Las Vegas. I love this
2: city, just uh, like just understand. like you do. I do very much It's got much great so. people in it. It's still got that pioneer spirit. It's a huge city, but a very tiny town in the heart. Well, it possesses a maverick spirit, so to speak, as you do, to some degree. And uh, right
1: off the bat, I just have to ask before I forget, you got to go see your friend and one of the greatest living entertainers, Liza Minnelli, this weekend.
2: Yes, indeed. How was that?
1: I'm dying to ask about Liza, that because I didn't Liza have a chance to go. is
2: something else. Um, she's got a voice that uh, um, you know belies her age. She's, You know, I, I guess the way to describe her is that she's an actress-singer.
1: Yes, she's an interpreter.
2: She's an actress-singer. Right. And, um, you know, when, uh, when she'd finished this set, the band walked off, she walked off, and the people kept chanting her name. I heard she got so five, five standing ovations? Five standing ovations. She got seven standing ovations oh on God. Saturday night. Oh, my God. So she walks back on stage to bow, and then she decides to sing an entire song without the orchestra.
1: Oh, for goodness sake.
2: And as I that wrote... That separates her from... As I, yeah, from so many, many people. <laughs> as I wrote, you could have heard a pin drop while she was singing no band no nothing you couldn't even hear the breathing of the crowd it was amazing takes a lot of chutzpah to do that or a lot of (laughs) ginger ale
1: well you're talking about a, a young lady who's been in the business now for many decades and she's she's uh she's she's been to that rodeo before so to speak
2: yes um and you know she's such a professional performer i saw her also in italy we've known each other a long time but i saw her in italy this summer And that was a magical experience. Uh, She sang in an open air uh, coliseum. Uh, And the moon was actually the major spotlight on her. Oh, Beautiful. And uh, she started to sing a song, and she got, I don't know, 30, 40 seconds into the song and got a croak in in her throat, frog in her throat, whatever you call it, you singers. And she stopped the show and apologized to the audience and said, excuse me, coughed, take some water, Coughed again, got rid of the little, and she said, "Now we'll do it, and now we'll do it properly." <laughs> and, and you know, I don't know too many people no. who would who would actually have the courage In to the stop a show. Yes. I mean, you know, everything is keyed to timing and computer control boards. She didn't care. She just stopped the show. She said, "I'm going to do it right, and you're going to hear it right." Well, Quite amazing. She, well, she's certainly one of
1: my influences as to why I not only wanted to become an entertainer, but more specifically a Vegas entertainer because she's certainly one of the names that are kind of associated with the, uh, the, the history of entertainment in this town, along with her buddies, you know, Frank and Sammy I, I and all she, them. And,
2: yeah, the and right
1: pack. You know, I got to see her actually on my honeymoon. This is kind of strange. Uh, I was married some years ago. We came to Las Vegas, and one of the reasons we came here is just so I could see Liza Minnelli. We went and saw Liza. We were exhausted. We went back to the hotel room, fell asleep, and we slept through our entire honeymoon. <laughs> but I know it's an odd story. That kind of symbolized my marriage at the time, I think. <laughs> but you mentioned the it's written
2: the dark side that we yes. want from Chris, no, not from me. You. So really, how how bad was that oh, marriage, well. and how bad was that honeymoon? But we saw Liza.
1: That's beautiful. all that counts. That's all that matters. You and know, I she was power.
2: 11 years old the first time that she ever. Step foot on the stage in, in Vegas, 11. And that was with the
1: influence of her parents, I'm oh, assuming, oh, of course. obviously Judy Garland yes. and
2: Vincent Manelli. Right. She's a remarkable entertainer.
1: She really is. And you, you mentioned the written word, and I think um, one of the things that I find most interesting about you, Robin, is that I would think most people internationally associate you with your experience on TV, with your television shows, uh, and of course, uh, the sound of your voice, which in my opinion is probably... Uh, one of the two or three most recognizable voices in the history of recorded media.
2: Wow! Well, north uh, of Howard Cosell. I was just gonna say,
1: Howard Cosell ranks up there with one of the two or three that I would. And it's in this
2: fighting route tonight. Yes,
1: you know, that, that's good company to be in nonetheless. But what I find interesting is that uh, I think if you were to admit uh, you were actually inspired as a young man and still to this day uh, to be more of a writer of the written word. I love. I, I know. Love, I love the
2: written word. Is it true you still write up to five thousand words a yeah. day of copy? Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. That's unbelievable. Well, it. it funnily enough, it isn't to me. Um, but I know that a lot of people have have problems writing, and uh, it, it. I sit at that keyboard, and out it comes. I go back and correct it, but it flows like the brain thinks. I'm very fortunate. Uh, with that gift, and that gift really got fine honed for television. You know, when I started uh, on on television, even before we started Entertainment Tonight, I was doing uh, TV projects with Regis Philbin uh, yes. on, on ABC, and 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 the joy of writing something that is then immediately spoken is, is it, the passion. In other words, covers the keyboard more than the fingers do. And, and so you have to learn to write how you would speak if you were yes. delivering a news story, a breaking news, a developing story. So I find, it, I, I, I find it quite easy to do, even though it may frighten a lot of other people.
1: Well, I think a lot of people may not know that you got your start actually as a newspaper man. Yeah. Back when you were, gosh, you were 15 years
2: old, living outside of London. That was when I started drinking. It's been, well, <laughs> but in those days I didn't drink champagne. Couldn't afford it. You know, it was it was um, beer.
1: Would you please tell us the story? I find this so interesting. I know you're probably sick of talking to, or telling the story, but I find it so fascinating. And those who may not have heard this, I would love for you to share with us. I think something that is so incredible in terms of how it inspired you then to continue on when you got your first job at your first paper and how they sent you out onto an assignment and who you actually ended up having as one of your very first interviews. This is such a great story.
2: It's a a story that I love retelling, so it's not a problem. Um, When I was 11 and went to to school, uh, my only dream was to work for the local newspaper in a town called Harrow, which is 20 miles outside of London.
1: The Harrow Observer. The Harrow Observer,
2: yes. yes. And um, every week I would send the news of the, happenings at school to the editor with a little note saying that I would love to come and work for you (laughs) when I leave school. And that never ever replied once to say thank you for sending in the uh story, come see us when you leave school. Nothing. Silence. But every week they printed this little story with my initials on the bottom of it. So I said well as long as they keep doing that there's hope. I leave school the friday that we graduated although we don't call it graduation yes. in england but that friday i ran from school in short pants to the newspaper office and asked to see the editor and he said we've been expecting you you start work monday <laughs> so i started work monday and i honestly thought you know i'd have to clean up the the cups of tea and and run paper, copy paper to all. This sure, is sure. way before computers. Course, this was when you had carbon paper between two sheets of, of paper. And that first uh, Monday, I never forget it, he uh, called everybody into the newsroom, introduced me to everybody, said, this is the new reporter, the new cub reporter. Took a dart and hurled it at the map of the town of Harrow, which is a considerable sized town. And uh, it landed in uh, on a street, he's just said, a
1: random just <laughs> house somewhere. Yes.
2: And he said, uh, you go to that street and you write the page three feature this week called On the Street Where You Live. And that was it. I mean, that was thrown right in the deep end. And so I went off. I was pedaling on a bicycle because I was too young to drive right. a car right. or anything. Pouring down with rain. And I figured that uh, the best place to go and get shelter was in the apartment building. In the block of flats, at the end, and I also figured out that the person who lived on the top was probably the most successful person in the in the tower. Probably the most interesting. Yes. Hopeful. Hopefully, Hopefully the most interesting, but certainly probably the most successful. So I knocked on the door, and a guy comes to the to the door, and that's a surprise in England because it should be the woman who comes to they the. He should door. be working during the The day. guy should be away working. So I introduced myself and asked, you know how come you're at home and and there's not a lady at the house that answered the door? And he said, well, I work from home. And I said, well, first of all, back in 1958, that was really unusual. Sure. Not so today, because we have computers at home. And uh, anyway, he said he was a a composer. And I didn't understand that, and I sort of ignorantly said, uh, those ink blots that go on the top (laughs) of the five lines? And he said, yeah, 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 yeah. So I asked him what he was writing, and he said he was writing the uh, a musical called "Stop the World, I Want to Get Off" for <laughs> Anthony Newley. And then and heard of uh, and from the musical at the time. Of that, course. And that moment onwards, it was you know wow. I was sort of hooked on show business more than any other form of journalism.
1: Well, uh, obviously with that influence and uh, your interest in celebritism, it, it brought to, brought you to New York. Then about 63. 60. It
2: 60. Uh, one eye. Uh, no, sixty three, you're right. Sixty three. I joined the Daily Mail in sixty one and then I came to America in sixty three. But the nice thing of that story, the end of that story, which is so beautiful, is that I'm still friends to this day with Leslie Brickas really? who wrote all of those well, of great course. songs oh my gosh. and he and his wife Evie remain there still friends of mine to this Became day. Became a legend? Yeah.
1: Well that's amazing. I, I can't even fathom over the years the relations that you have attained with various celebrities and And people in the business uh, over the years, I... I
2: That's some of the dark side that um, the producer here wants to know about. Well, speaking of the... uh, You start saying those relationships that you had with all those people.
1: Well, some of those people are actually, if you can believe it or not, watching you right now live. And they are in our live chat room that we have. Yes. And what you may or may not know is we would love, if you don't mind, to accept... an a question or two from the people watching us right now. Absolutely. And our producer is going to uh, hopefully uh, not kill me if I do not get right to one of these questions that he's so anxious for me to have you ask.
0: What is that, Scott? Good God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nate wants to know, does Robin miss being on TV, and is he working on anything right now? Um, Nate, it's sweet of you to ask. No, I
2: don't miss being on television like I used to be. Uh, I still do guest shots uh, and guest shows uh, many times a year, but I like to control it uh, to my time uh, frame these days. When I was doing Lifestyles, that literally was 18 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for 14 years. Mm -hmm. And it nigh on killed me. Um, You know, it takes an awful lot of time to make a one-hour television show so and you have to remember that with Lifestyles, we were traveling all over the world. And so when you edit it, write it, score it, and do all those things, uh, it, it took literally about uh, three to four weeks of shooting and editing to do one hour of television.
1: Well, what I find interesting is that uh, you were one of the pioneers in this type of television. I know that you were working on E.T. at the time as a... Field reporter right. and covering uh, celebrities to some degree, but it was your um, uh, your your need and want to kind of dig further into their lives and into their homes and into their their excesses, so to speak. And so at that point, your your good buddy Al uh, decided to create this show that set a precedent to this day for reality shows and whatnot.
2: We uh, were how we how were the first of of the reality were? shows when you think about it. Um, you know, I'd worked with Al at Entertainment Tonight, and uh, we're talking about a remarkable man called Al Massini. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but uh, um, he was a genius with uh, creating television shows, and I went to him with an idea for uh, lifestyles. Of, of I'd gone to him because I was upset that on Entertainment Tonight we would go into these people's homes and we wouldn't talk with them, about anything other than their careers, which I thought right. was. Who I mean, who really wants to know mm-hmm. that Gene Simmons' secret desire is to stretch and do Shakespeare in Central <laughs> Park? Uh, right. What right. we really want to know is just b- how many girls yes, did Gene Simmons course. sleep with over the years, and
1: and the bed in which he may have. Uh, show
2: us that bed. Yes. And show us the manoeuvres. <laughs> and so. And, and so that, that to me, was far better way, use of television to do storytelling uh, than it was to ask Gene Simmons about doing Shakespeare. So. Uh, well, you obviously hit upon quite a success. And uh, yeah. my gosh, I you mean, guys to, had to a the, hell to, of a run. To this day, uh, Lifestyles is still one of the longest running shows ever on television, 14 years. I mean, that's pretty amazing. And then the last several years, you uh, had a co-host. Did you well, not? And you changed the
1: name to some degree? Yeah.
2: Well, we, we we brought in. Um, I w- I'd actually got to the point where I was sick to death of traveling the world. I mean, I know it sounds strange. Is it true but you were you were do
1: amassing two hundred thousand miles? Yeah, more, or more, more,
2: more, more. No, more.
1: That's unbelievable.
2: No. Yeah, I mean, it but was yeah, it was I, a, <sighs> it was a nightmare. We had I had six TV crews with me, oh, oh. and I would hop from one city to the next, and go through to six crews who would be waiting as I moved on, and they would stay behind and shoot all of the ancillary B-roll, the beauty stuff. You know, I'd race in, do the interview, do right, my stand-ups, right, yeah. and then I'd be out every <laughs> night on the next overnight flight to the next city. I mean, it was the jigsaw puzzle of organizing that was a nightmare, but I loved doing it because I'm a Virgo, therefore <laughs> I'm a pain in the neck. But. Um, <laughs> We, we, we did that constantly and then you would come at home for three weeks and you would edit all, everything that you had sure. shot and you would put the music to it and assemble it and choose the running order of each show and then you go back out on the road again.
1: Now with all those it was years, tough. I can imagine meeting all those celebrities, uh, obviously a lot of very influential people over the years. Was there, was there a particular celebrity or individual you never got to meet or interview that you always had a desire to meet and they just mm. got by you somehow?
2: Well, I never got to Catherine Hepburn, mm. which I would mm-hmm. love to have done. I think she was such a class act. She was. But you know, uh, we even did the Pope. You were one of the few people that got access to the Vatican we, we, we one the City. We
1: one the I can't imagine what that must have been like. Well,
2: it, it took many, many months of, wow. Uh, wow. of begging and cajoling and pleading and everything. and. Um, uh, we finally got the approval to come and uh, shoot the Pope, and he was going to be our guide to the treasures of uh, the Vatican. And nobody believed that we'd, we'd pulled this off. I mean, I didn't even believe it myself. And uh, so I flew to Rome on the day <laughs> that we were going to do this shoot. And uh, that evening before the shoot, we met with the, uh, the uh, I don't know what they called that, the priests, the uh, deacons of the church. Sure, sure to uh, go through the rules and regulations about what we could say, what we couldn't say, da 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 -da. And then I remember the last question. As long as I live, (laughs) I will never forget this Uh question. And so help me, dear God, (laughs) this is the truth. As I'm leaving, they said to me, what do you want him to wear in the morning? And I'd never ever thought in terms of that the pope had to have wardrobe instructions sure, right sure. everybody else in television has wardrobe instructions i didn't think you had the pope had to be given wardrobe instructions so i looked very quizzically at the at the bishop and i said what do you mean and they said well, do you want him in the ordinary gear or in his party frock and I will, never, I will never, ever forget that as long as I live. And of course, you know, I chose the party from. Well, speaking of which, you know, got. Which is got the affectionate term for all of the... The of God,
1: Yeah, yeah, right, right. Now, the thing that's got to be most aggravating about being the Pope is you're, without question, probably the most famous person walking the face of the earth. To think how many babes
2: he could get. Ah, oh, that's got to be so aggravating. Speaking Only of, Chris Fullitt. <laughs> could could think of the misuse of power. God, I thought you were going to say... He could pull in the tail? Oh, my God! But he can't... (laughs) Thanks, Scott. You're going to have so many complaints from people. But think about it! Think about it. God! What are all the nuns there for? Anyway, and now I'm going to get the complaints... Pull yourself together. Have a drink. <laughs> well, speaking You're not of drinking as fast well, as I am. Well, speaking of babes, uh, you are... That wasn't quite the segue I was thinking of, but anybody, it's okay. You know, anybody who knows of you here in town, you are... Uh, They're all nieces. They're all nieces. I just have an expanded family of nieces. Scott, I've yeah. had the occasion of yes running sir. into Robin on several occasions
1: out socially. Many in the same evening, I might. <laughs> I have never seen my friend Robin when he has not been surrounded by a bevy of beautiful blonde,
2: buxom babes. Look at all those alliterations that began with B. Nice. Yes, I worked hard on that. You all missed night. out bikini. You missed out bust. <laughs> you missed out busty. Buoyant, perhaps. <laughs> well, in this city, most of them are.
0: <laughs>
2: now, I, I, you know, I admire you for that. I have to, I have to say, but. Uh, it's better to do that than to take Dr. Johnson's youth pills. <laughs> <laughs> oh, give me a prescription, would you? <laughs> it's, it keeps you young. What can I tell you? Well,
1: speaking of Las Vegas, you're, you're, you're Mr. Famous Pants all over the world. What lured you in to wanting to come to Las Vegas? Because I know since then you have been very influential in this town, and you brought a lot of recognition here in terms particularly in the... Um, Fine cuisine that has been uh, something that is a rather new uh, advent to to this community. Well, Thanks, large in part because of what you did.
2: Thank you. Um, you know, I was living very happily between New York and Los Angeles, two weeks in each of the t- the two cities, doing lots of different TV projects, and. Um, you know, I was one of the founding fathers of the Food Network. Food Network, absolutely. And with the, with the creation of the Food Network, we sort of turned unknown chefs into stars. And um, friends of mine in Atlantic City had asked me, would I create a program of superstar chefs coming down to Atlantic City and doing these extraordinary <coughs> high roller dinners? And uh, we did it, and it was unbelievably successful. I mean, so much so that we had to sign exclusive contracts with chefs to stop other hotels copying us. Mm-hmm. Well, my friends happened to be the three executives who got selected by Sheldon Adelson to come here to Vegas mm, right. and uh, get involved in the demolition of the uh, the old Sands yes. Hotel. And they called me and said, you know, could we expand that program uh, when we get our hotel built here in Las Vegas into mm-hmm an even larger scope um, plan. And uh, so they had, we, we we put together an idea where we would have the top 10 chefs in America would each own a restaurant here at the um, the property. And uh, out of that, we were going to build a TV studio that would become uh, almost the West Coast branch of the Food Network. Sure. Sure. So I came out to, to Vegas and we started putting that together and eventually that became the Venetian. And uh, the chefs were put in there with their restaurants. We never did build the studio, unfortunately, because 9-11 came along yes, and that stopped right. one uh, set of the Venetian expansion back then. But uh, the chefs all came here. And while I was here for two and a half years getting all of that and bringing Sophie Loren over for the opening of the Venetian, I started to yes. fall in love with the city. Yes. And I got involved one night with Keep Memory Alive, which is the uh, Alzheimer's charity mm-hmm. here, and uh, the microphone failed that night, and um, uh, I sort of went to the rescue. I volunteered to come to the rescue because there was no audio system, because I know that the one thing that uh, I was given as a blessing was a very powerful voice. To project, yes. and. Uh, we made a lot of money that night out of a disaster. Isn't and that something? And and Larry Ruvo, who was the uh, chairman of Keep Memory Alive, asked me uh, if I would come back and do that every year. And I said yes, not knowing at that moment I had sort of said, well, I'm going to live in Las Vegas. <laughs> and, and, you know, the other thing was that I looked around at the landscape here and um, television had always been... Frowned upon by the casinos. They thought that this box uh, should be locked in the armoire in the bedroom that should never be opened because they really feared it. They really thought that television was a device that stopped people from gaming. Right. Um, right. Y- you can put the television out in on the floor of a, of a hotel room in Vegas, it's never going to stop anybody Absolutely. from going out and enjoying themselves. And so, what? I started to tell people, you've got to use television. You mustn't be frightened of it. Use it, and and so we did a number of things. We brought Oprah here for a week with her <laughs> TV series. We brought MTV here to shoot stuff. So there was a lot of ways to exploit something of my past in 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 helping Vegas explode at a time when it really needed to be it's to be Especially on the
1: map. with the younger markets and the youth that, that, well, that, that kind I of I viewed think that's what Vegas as being I mean, something it, a little it, bit
2: of. Uh, Look, Ve- Ve- the Jeez. Vegas Video Network is celebrating its first anniversary uh, currently, and George Malouf next month celebrates his tenth anniversary with the Palms. Yes. And the first thing that we had at the Palms was MTV's Real World. And that really kind of set the tone. That was the first what time that television could do. Tele- yes, yes, exactly. And, and what television. a powerful tool
1: that was to lure people into our yeah. city. And
2: now, and now we have, I'm, I'm guessing we have at least two or three TV shows a week on average doing something with Las Vegas. So that, that's great. Well,
1: speaking of living in Las Vegas and what you've done since then, I would love to get into what you've been up to lately. But we're going to take a short little break. We're going to be back in just a minute. But ladies and gentlemen, I am so honored to say that I'm—I I'm beyond flattered to be sitting here with my friend Mr. Robin Leach on Talk Tales. I am Chris Phillips. We'll be back in just a second. And fire in
2: those questions.
0: <laughs> hey, I'm Al <laughs> Is that how you get them to do that all the time? <laughs> just sit there and be an ass. Is that it? <laughs> hey, I'm Al- <laughs> hey, I'm Al Mancini at Top of the Food Chain. You are watching the Vegas Video Network. We got big forks, big spoons. I got a big mouth. I got no guest.
1: Well, howdy, friends, and once again, welcome back to Talk Tales here on the Vegas Video Network. We are sitting here with someone who certainly doesn't need any introduction. This is Robin Leach, everybody. And uh, Before we get going uh, on furthering our discussions about Las Vegas, I want to let you know that if you ever have any kind of questions or comments through the week, please contact us by going simply to talktales at vegasvideonetwork.com. We would love to uh, get back to you at least within the next two months. <laughs> With any uh, answers we may have to your questions. But folks, uh, if unless you've been living under a rock for the past uh, 20, 30 years, you certainly know who my guest is today. And uh, so kind. Well, it's it's very true, my friend. and. Uh, Certainly we were talking about how you have benefited uh, this city in terms of your presence and your influence, and you were speaking about how you, you were somehow single-handedly able to convince the city that the, the medium of television is such a tremendous tool in luring in uh, potential customers, especially those that maybe not has ever been to Las Vegas, particularly those that are younger uh, by, like you said, George Malouf having the um, MTV program and, and whatnot, but speaking of programs, I I didn't know something until last night that you were the one who produced that documentary on Madonna called Exposed. That's <laughs> so cool. How, how did that we did, come we, about? We did
2: a series of uh, specials um, at one stage of my life. We did a... Um, uh, the royal family of Britain exposed. We did Madonna exposed. Yes. Madonna tried to stop us, and uh, oh really? This was this was live television, and and we started the show with a challenge that uh, if you didn't like anything we we uh, have on the air, uh, send your lawyers down. We gave them the address of the studio because all I was praying was that her lawyers would come into the studio and shut us down because it would make of course, great publicity. Of but uh, unfortunately, she didn't. But we ran the show. We we heard afterwards that she was not that displeased with it. Well,
1: that's probably rare. Um, <laughs> um,
2: but but I wish that she had actually shut us down. It would have been would have been great. I love that kind of controversial television. Oh, do too. Television, and and who better than Madonna at that time to do it? Today it would be like doing Lady Gaga. Sure, and we're going to sure, expose Lady Gaga. Although I think, quite frankly, she's exposed everything: her body, <laughs> her her roots, her past. Um, so, you know, um, we, we we we've done so many different television projects o- over the years. I, I even love did something
1: it. with Matt Lauer.
2: I well, thought that Matt, was interesting. I had a I had a show, it was the only show that I gambled a lot of money on and lost. Really? We lost eight million dollars on oh a show God. called Preview. Uh, And Preview, I thought, was a really fascinating show, and it was the next seven days of everything in entertainment. So Mm -hmm. whatever new movies were coming out for the next seven days, you got to see them in advance of everybody else. Whatever new records uh, were being released, you heard them seven days before they were coming out. Everything was Preview the next seven days on every aspect of entertainment. I thought it was a great idea, too complicated for the public to understand. (laughs) <laughs> and the anchor that I hired was a young man from Philadelphia called Matt Lauer
1: isn't that something
2: and I hired That's him. so cool. I hired Matt Lauer and I told him seven weeks later that I'd run out of money in order to keep uh. financing the show and the ratings weren't doing well It's the only show out of 16 by the way that we we lost so I, I mustn't uh, be upset about it and Matt Lauer as you know w- Sent the audition tape yes. to NBC from our show preview and landed the Today Show. Well,
1: look, look, look! What you've done? See, that's.
2: Well, is, I don't know whether that's good or bad. Well, but look, he's happy and he's making a lot of money, so I'm very pleased for him. Well, you were and he's still a good friend to this day too.
1: Well, speaking of friends, we have many friends of yours who are watching right now, many. some of which are in our chat room, okay, and I know that Scott is dying to get to some more questions, if you don't mind, by some of our viewers right now that have questions for Mr.
0: Leach. Scott. Yeah, we got three questions. First one is from Bill G, he wants to know, did you meet any rich or famous people who were just a pain in the ass? (laughs) Uh, That's how they (laughs) became both rich and famous, Bill. I always (laughs) remember
2: the the, the most aggravating uh, interview that I ever did was I was playing Ping-pong, of all things, with, with, with at that point, the richest man in the world. Um, I'm not going to say that I'm a great table tennis player, but um, for want of a better thing to do, I, I decided to play ping-pong against <laughs> the richest man in the world. And um, I was beating him. And he said, I've never been beaten before. <laughs> and I did, it didn't occur to me as to why he'd said that until the ball went off the table and I went to to get it and the bodyguard's foot was lowered on my hand (sighs) and he said, Mr. K has never ever lost at this (laughs) game. And then I understood why he'd always won. I I said, screw it, I'm still gonna beat him and I beat him him, him, him 21-12. So yeah. There there you go. (laughs) But fortunately, you know, it's really interesting because um, rich and famous people they're defensive, they're fragile people, strangely enough, and, and what their job, they're insecure, and they're workaholics, and what my job was always was to get the story from them, and for me to be in uh, the least conspicuous place between the viewer and the interviewee who was telling the story. So, you heard my voice, but you didn't get to see a lot of me. Uh, because I believe that all my job was to be was a link between the people that you really wanted to to hear all about
0: Scott question number two number two Shannon wants to know do you remember the first and last guest on lifestyles
2: well the fir- the, oh, first guest the first guest was the first guest was Siegfried and Roy right here in Las Vegas um, Yes. and uh, uh, they're still friends to this day, and they were my first guests on Entertainment Tonight, yes. and they also did the Food Network when they came to New York oh. with their baby tigers, so they've been really good friends over the years. Um, do you know, I don't actually remember who was the last, oh, I, I do. It was me, because I always <laughs> vowed, <laughs> it's true, I just, I've just remembered. I always said, and I will be the last guest when I decide to shut the show down. Because so, who
1: is more rich and famous and a bigger celebrity than yours? dozens more, yours truly. but
2: it was the first time that uh, <laughs> we, we showed sort of a little off-camera uh, side of my life. And, y- you know, yes, the blondes and the brunettes were in the hot tub. And, yes, they were <laughs> drinking <laughs> champagne with me. And everything you've always thought and feared about yours truly,
0: it was proven true.
1: Well, that's exactly what we would hope to think. Yeah.
0: Okay, next question from Gino <laughs> Torino. Uh, how did Robin develop the voice delivery style characterized by Dana Carvey as, I'm screaming and I don't know why. Okay, and, and uh, Scott, that was a lousy impression. <laughs>
2: yes, it was. Dana Carvey <laughs> doing a lousy impression of me. I, saw that question, I thought, oh, crap. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Hopefully, I'll have enough Here's the truth he the true story behind this. Uh, if you go back and you look at the old Entertainment Tonight shows, I didn't screech or scream like Scott's just said, Dana Carvey always said. When we started writing the very first special for Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, because these homes were so jaw-droppingly gorgeous, and I was like stunned when I walked into some of these places, I went back to my old days of tabloid journalism in Fleet Street in, in London and said, we have to find a way to tell the story on television just like newspapers would tell a huge breaking story in print. Now if you know, um, print print in newspapers normally runs at like 14 point to 26 point is the most they'll do with a headline. When war breaks out, or America invades Cuba, it jumps right up to 96 point, which is screaming headlines. And, and it was, at that point I said, we have to duplicate that. And the same amazement that I had for being in huge homes, I said, we have to scream it like that. And so it, that's, that's really where it came from. And it, it also came about, um, in a sense, by accident, by default, because I was genuinely excited. I mean, if you land in Australia, as I did one morning, and was taken to the largest home that I'd ever seen in my life up until then, which was owned by a gentleman who imported the first Rolls Royces into Australia and kept that franchise all these years. His house was so large that it had a road inside the home with a chauffeur-driven limousine to take you from the (laughs) bedroom area down to the living room and dining room. Now, if you see that, that's undercover in in a house how are you not going to scream and say holy moly have you ever seen a house with a road inside it and and then you know here was the funny thing people always said well where did you find how did you find these houses I mean you remember some of the homes we found were pretty pretty unbelievable whenever I left somebody's house I always said to them I think I've just found the largest home in the world congratulations And they said, you haven't been to the house with the (laughs) 365 rooms in Germany (laughs) where they have seven people winding the clocks day and night? And I said no, and then I'd jump on a plane and go to Germany. (laughs) And you'd do the same thing when you landed in Germany and they would tell you about... See, there were no yellow pages back in those days to start with, and there would be no listing for rich and famous houses. You couldn't Google it. You couldn't Google it. There was no Google. (laughs) In fact, you know, when we started that show, there was no fax machines and Federal sure. Express right, hadn't right, been right. quite invented yet. So it was a real challenge to find these places and we found that the best place to find them was to ask the rich people themselves who had better than they had. They always knew, because they wanted to jump up one higher.
1: And to accent that, you had to have 96 point vocal inflection.
2: Uh, whatever, they, whatever it was. <laughs> I knew we used to blow out the microphone sometime in the recording studio. When we were voice. Well, tracking. speaking of your voice, obviously, which has gone down into
1: being something that could be, if you're, if there was a recording of your voice, it belongs in the Smithsonian, to say the thank least. Thank you, thank you. But what do you feel when you hear these other kind of uh, knockoff shows that try to emulate the luxury cribs, lifestyle, cribs, cribs, where they emulate, or they they literally copy your
2: voice? Or at least attempt to. It's How does that make
1: you feel? Is there any kind of infringement? No, of some sort? no, I know no. No, no, no. You can't trademark I, I, your I voice. I look at
2: it as a cheap compliment. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't bother me. It's uh, you know it's a cheap copper. You know it's a knockoff. You know it's a ripoff. So. But what a compliment you've got! Uh, that's amazing. That's. Well, uh, you just you know you you sort of accept that we live in a world where. Uh, if you're, so long as you're first with the idea, then everybody else will be second. That's yeah. the only way to look right. at it. So there you go. You have to sort of say thank you very much for trying to Im- imitate me and trying to emulate the show that we produced. Um, and you sort of, you just shrug your shoulders and say thank you. I, I tell you, the the thing that, that I really get a chuckle out of more than being ripped off and copied is, is when singers like Fergie put me into glamorous, <laughs> And uh, that's got to be cool. Jermaine Dupree had me flying up in the airplane with him on his video. Notorious BIG. Yes. There's about 20 music videos that have spoofed me in one way or the other. And and I just think that's the greatest.
1: Well, it is, because it's the ultimate um, association with the lifestyle they're trying to create.
2: Yeah. So that's that's fun.
0: I like that bit.
1: We have one more question. Would you take it?
0: Yeah. Uh, Shannon wants to know. Uh, actually, Ted wants to know, outside of Siegfried and Roy, did any other popular Las Vegas residents appear on Lifestyles?
2: Um, the, the answer is yes, many times. Um, we we used to love coming to Vegas to do uh, um, uh, segments for Lifestyles. Um, you know, you put me on the spot trying to remember um, stars that were in Vegas that we had on, on the show, but uh, Robert Goulet comes to mind. Uh, what immediate. about Liberace? Liberace, thank you. That was one of my all-time favorite interviews. Yes, I thought so. Uh, and that's still up on YouTube to this <laughs> day. Oh, is you it can really? actually watch the Liberace interview on YouTube. Um, it w- uh, you know, he gave us absolute full, total, open access to everything in that home. I love uh, it. Before home. it became a museum. Yes. So we we got the advanced look of it, and and what a nice sweet gentleman not a not a gentleman but a, a gentle man yes and yes we you know as we found out sadly afterwards about his sexual preferences although we all sort of guessed and accepted it beforehand um, but uh, um, he was still a gentle soul and he loved his music and he loved the fact that he'd come from uh, poverty mm mm-hmm. And through hard work had gone all the way to the top and, and become very rich, very famous and very successful. And I think that that, that was the, the the reason behind the show's success is that we we tried to Shh. stay away from people who were born with the silver spoon. Sure. And we, exactly. we went to people who had really gosh, she, struggled and made it.
1: And 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 that's admirable, along with the fact that he was one of the more flamboyant characters uh, in the entertainment. Field, I would imagine, particularly at that time. Show business back
2: then was was different. Um, yes, it was it was glamorous and glitzy and larger than life. Um, you compare that with Jersey Shore today, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you know I love the, I love the fact that you dress up when you sing. I think it's a you're you're paying respect to the audience, yes. who therefore is paying respect to you, and um, you have a talent and you perform the talent. And then you look at Jersey Shore, and they're in the same clothes that you know that they came out of the mine earlier today <laughs> with. Um, I mean, it's terrible. Well, let me ask you something. Um, when lifestyles of the
1: rich and famous brand took off in the early '80s, it was a time of uh, uh, extravagance, and uh, there was a different mindset there. The days when of
2: dynasty. Yes, the dynasty Colbys and, and Dallas. Oh, I love
1: that. I, the Robert Wagner in his double-breasted jackets. I, and oh, I just love that era. My question to you is, would that idea for a show work today
2: with the current economic state? It's a great question, and, and I, get, I get asked two, three times a month to bring the show back. Do you? I will never do it.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Um, it had its life, it had its time, and it had its place. And my theory has always been to go out on the top and not watch it wither down to, to a point where it gets sure. cancelled. Um, the funny thing is that I think that it would work today, and it would work in the same way that shows like King for a Day worked way sure. back. Right, right, wow. <laughs> because when you look at television, uh, and you look at the plethora of reality shows like Jersey Shore, what are you really watching? You're watching lifestyles of the tragic and unfortunate. <laughs> you're, you're, you're watching lifestyles of the boring and miserable. And yeah. in, a, in a sense, the television viewer at home, I really believe, wants to escape through this box. Correct. And so they, they don't want to see eight kids who never do their laundry and, and, and live, in, live in a postage stamp apartment. They still want to think that there's a princess out there like Grace Kelly who can one day marry the prince, it's Cinderella. It, I mean, it's still there. That that dream of being king for a day, queen for a day still exists. So to get a glimpse through the keyhole of lives that you only fantasize about, and you only dream about, if you can see it for five minutes, you don't resent it so long as it's earned. If it's given to people on a plate, they will resent you. But if you work hard, you know, thank goodness that for the majority of people in America today, the entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well and that uh, there is nothing wrong in being rewarded uh, big time you. if you succeed in what you set out to achieve.
1: Well, I think I would like on behalf of so many over the years to thank you for letting us live vicariously through you and your adventures, your stories, and uh, the images that you've brought into our homes that uh, I think inspire us to want to better ourselves. And if I may, because we're having to leave, we're at the end of the line, I'd like to do a toast, because if some of you may or may not know, we have hit a milestone with Mr. Leach just recently. Not only have you celebrated a very important birthday, but you also, celebrated 50 years in entertainment. 50 years
2: of doing this nonsense.
1: And uh, I'll tell you something, I wanna thank you for inviting me to a a tremendous celebration you had a couple weeks ago where you had people from all over the world that have known you through business and friends and family come together. And if that wasn't a tribute to how much people respect and appreciate what you've done, I don't know what is, but happy birthday to you, my
2: well, friend. Thank Congratulations thank you, on you many and, uh, years, and
1: I hope it's just the beginning for you. Because The, the city of,
2: No, I want to take it easy.
1: Well, the city of Las Vegas thanks you, and I, you are certainly one of the few characters in this town that make it, without question, the greatest city in the world. Folks, you're watching Talk Tales. I'm Chris Phillips, and I'm sitting here with the iconic Robin Leach. We'll see you next Monday. Champagne wishes and caviar dreams.